For any size donation before December 1st, we'll send you my 2023 Advent devotional booklet, I Wait for Your Salvation, O Lord. Make a secure online gift at thewordendoors.org or make your check payable to The Word Endures and send it to Box 616, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234, and we'll send you my new Advent devotional booklet. Greetings in Christ. I'm Dr. Reed Lessing, Director of the Center for Biblical Studies at Concordia University in St. Paul, Minnesota. The Center offers annual preaching workshops for Advent and Lent, seminars on a book of the Bible, and studies focused on biblical stewardship. We also showcase the best biblical scholarship in the LCMS by hosting three-day seminars each summer, featuring a guest scholar. Learn more at csp.edu slash Center for Biblical Studies. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is brought to you in part by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. LHF is a recognized service organization of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, dedicated to translating and publishing the books of our Lutheran faith into more than 100 languages for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. Learn how you can take part in their work at lhfmissions.org. Welcome to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Wheaton. Everyone has seen on the news the devastation that water brings when it comes down in excess. Well, imagine 40 days and 40 nights of excess water. Add it to the waters of the great deep sweeping across the lands, perhaps due to massive earthquakes. Yikes! The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a daily verse-by-verse Bible study with the church, past and present. Pastor Whedon is leading us in a study of the book of Genesis, chapters 5 through 11. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Greetings, people loved by God. Well, last time we heard the Lord's instruction to Noah and his family to actually enter the ark themselves. The day of grace was swiftly coming to an end. Judgment was about to sweep away the old world and usher in the world we now know. Remember that while we hadn't had the distinction of clean versus unclean before, this clearly referred to animals that were acceptable to offer in sacrifice, primarily ruminants and non-scavenging birds. We have to assume that this instruction was handed down from the earlier fathers and that it aligns mostly with what we'll hear later codified under Moses in Leviticus. God lets them know that the flood is but a week away when they are instructed to enter the ark and that when the flood arrives, it's going to rain upon the earth for 40 consecutive days and nights. You've no doubt seen the devastation that flash floods of several hours duration can cause. You can only then imagine what it would be like if those waters continued on and on for more than a month. Noah obeyed everything the Lord told him to do, serving us as an example of the obedience of faith. And this all happens in the 600th year of his life. His family enters the ark, no doubt with a wistful glance at their old home in a world that was coming to an end. And with them go the animals two and two. And after a week, with the door standing open, but no one availing themselves of the opportunity to escape, the rains begin. A reading from Genesis, the seventh chapter, beginning at the 11th verse. 
In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were opened, and rain fell upon the earth forty days and forty nights. On the very same day, Noah and his sons, Shem and Ham and Japheth, and Noah's wife and the wives of his three sons with him, entered the ark. They and every beast according to its kind, and all the livestock according to their kinds, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, every winged creature. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh, in which there was the breath of life. And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. Genesis 7, verses 11 through 16. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, since you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort from your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Ready to ponder today's passage together? Let's consider it. Verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were opened. Interestingly, St. Augustine uses this passage in his famous book, City of God, to demonstrate the continuity of time between our world and the ancient world before the flood. One of the ways people had apparently sought to reconcile their minds to the length of days granted those ancient generations was to say that their years were only about one-tenth as long as ours. Augustine shows that's nonsense, pointing specifically to this verse and saying, now those words are inexplicable. If a year was so short that it took 10 of them to make one of ours, that would mean that a year has only 36 days. How then can we explain the words of the text in the 600th year in the second month on the 27th day of the month, unless months then were the same as they are now? Good point, Bishop of Hippo which is to say, take the text as it reads. Now, let's consider the two events that are described in it. All the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of heaven were opened. The result of this is a return of the primordial chaos that was described for us in Genesis 1, where the earth was formless and void with the Spirit hovering over the face of the waters. It was not until day 3 that God commanded the land to rise from the ocean and the deeps to recede. The picture of that seems to inform Psalm 104. He set the earth on its foundations so that it should never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke they fled. At the sound of your thunder they took to flight. The mountains rose. The valleys sank down to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass so that they might not again cover the earth. So it is God's providential word that causes the mountains to rise, the valleys to sink, and the waters to recede from them. 
Here, Moses describes the reverse in action. I suggested last time that this may be the great breakup of Pangaea, where the continents suddenly move and the waters of the oceans sweep over them. Verse 12, And rain fell upon the earth forty days and forty nights. I remember some years ago, right after Christmas, our area experienced what they called an atmospheric river. The rain came down in sheets, and for an extended period of time, like for a couple days, everyone was battling water around us everywhere. Cindy and I just managed to prevent the rising waters from destroying the finished part of our basement by sucking up the water with our shop vac and having fans and a dehumidifier working nonstop for over a week. Phew! I hope it doesn't ever happen again. But that was rain falling only for a few days. Everyone has seen on the news the devastation that water brings when it comes down in excess. Well, imagine 40 days and 40 nights of excess water. Add it to the waters of the great deep sweeping across the lands, perhaps due to massive earthquakes. Yikes. That's the sort of picture the Bible paints of what happens here with Noah. Waters rising inexorably and humanity powerless to do anything about it. Verse 13. On the very same day, Noah and his sons, Shem and Ham and Japheth, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. This is recapitulating what we heard earlier. They were instructed to enter the ark one week before the flood, which means that they took it up as their place of residence. They moved into it. But they still may have gone in and out yet of that open door from time to time, at least until the rains began to fall in earnest. Verse 14, They and every beast according to its kind and all the livestock according to their kinds and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind and every bird according to its kind, every winged creature. More recapitulation. Going back and picking up that Noah and his family were not alone in that ark. They entered it and made it their home and so had this vast array of critters, no doubt directed by God himself. Thus, verse 15, they went into the ark with Noah two and two of all flesh, in which there was the breath of life. Across the course of the week, they had come to him, and he had seen them into their spots, and they had docilely obeyed, a testament to God's hand in all this. These were all the land creatures, creatures with lungs to breathe air, so they needed a dry place to stand on, or they'd perish too in the drowning that was about to befall. Verse 16. And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. I'm sure Noah wondered when the command was given to take in the animals how he was supposed to manage that. But it wasn't a problem that God had given him to figure out with his own ingenuity. God had taken care of the animals' arrival and of their preservation. God brought them to Noah, who found out that They did exactly what he told them to do, just as God had ordered him. In that instance, he had a taste of what Adam and Eve had enjoyed in paradise before the fall with their dominion over every creature. And last but not least, we have to consider that amazing line, and the Lord shut him in. Here's Martin Luther 
the great 16th century reformer of the church, commenting on this verse. This was truly a long voyage, and one that abounded in mourning and tears. Yet they sustained themselves by their faith, never doubting the kindness of God toward them. They had become aware of his concern for them when they built the ark, gathered provisions, prepared other necessary things for this event, and finally also when the Lord closed the ark as the flood rose. I wonder how they experienced the event described like this. I mean, can you see Noah looking at the door a bit worriedly and wondering how they were going to make that secure against the rising waters when suddenly it shuts and every last bit of daylight around it seems disappears. God had taken thought even for that last final detail. But we must also learn to see the image of the open and the closed door not merely as a sign of God's providential care of his people, but as a warning. He will indeed seal his elect into the ark of his church against the coming judgment. But once the day of judgment finally arrives, then the day of grace departs. That closed door is a warning that access to the saving church herself is of limited duration. I think that Jesus may have been evoking the image of the ark with its door in his parable in Matthew 25, verse 10. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. When the bridegroom comes, then the door to the church itself is shut. There is no more access to the safety of the ark, which God had provided to save mankind. Then there's only being left outside of the church, left to face the horrific judgment that begins to overtake the world as it collapses before the face of its judge. That's what we're going to call our hiatus for today. Next up, we'll finish out the seventh chapter of Genesis with Moses' description of what happened as the waters kept increasing on the earth. You can see man and animals crowd onto higher and higher ground, even as many others were simply swept away in the flood's first onslaught. But in the end, there is no place of safety left. You can't climb high enough to escape these waters. They rise to a full 15 cubits, or 22, 23 feet, above the highest peaks. And so finally, everything that was formed to live on dry ground and breathe air is dead, blotted out from the face of the earth. The only land critters left will be Noah and the animals with him in the ark, who are riding out this terrifying judgment of God. The floods actually cover the earth for 150 long days. Till next time, people loved by God, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a listener-supported program. You can donate by check, make your check payable to The Word Endures, and send it to Box 616 Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also make a secure online contribution at thewordendures.org. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever 
is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.